Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. It's Wall Builders Live. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And thankful that you're here with us. Thanks for listening to Wall Builders. And be sure and check out our websites. We've got two of them, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. So wallbuilders.com, our main website, is where you can get a wealth of information, tons of great materials for your family. In fact, a great place to do your Christmas shopping. I mean, how about giving the gift of liberty this year? That's a great idea. Let's educate, equip, inspire all the people in our family, people in our community. It's just a its just a great opportunity to do that. I mean, people are paying attention in a way they never have in my lifetime anyway. Millions of people hungry to know truth. You can get some of that truth today at wobblers.com and share it with everybody that you possibly can, whether it's a, a gift of, of one of the books or, or videos or other educational materials, or, or maybe you just want to grab some of these programs on the radio site. That's the wobblerslive.com site and and just send them to friends and family and and say hey study listen learn educate yourself and get ready to save this country it's it's a great time to do that also it's the end of the year so it's a good time to make your end of year donations be sure and check that out today at wallbuilderslive.com as well i'm rick green former texas legislator and america's constitution coach enjoy the opportunity to work here with david barton of course america's premier historian and our founder at wallbuilders and also tim barton national speaker and pastor and president of wallbuilders we just had our, uh, man, I think it's our 15th year. I forget how many years we've been doing this now. Our legislators conference. We do this with state reps and senators and uh, folks from across the nation. We bring them in, give them a chance to sharpen each other's countenance, share ideas, hear from great speakers. Uh, one of those speakers that they heard from this year, Mike Ferris, a great friend to all of us here at Wall Builders and to Patriot Academy and uh, just to homeschoolers across the nation. Of course, started homeschool legal defense. Uh, founded Patrick Henry College, um, you know, was head of Alliance Defending Freedom for years, um, started and I served with him on uh, the parental rights uh, org. I mean, just just he's involved in so many different things and, and just a blessing uh, to our our nation and to our movement. And frankly, just, um, you know, someone that understands how to win. I mean, this is a guy that that has in, impacted the system in, in big, big ways. And so we're very, very thankful for him. Uh, being a part of of uh, the movement and and of restoring the Constitution, his constitutional literacy education uh, uh, is, is incredible. So anyway, we we wanted to share with you, our listeners here at uh, Wall Builders, uh, what the legislators were able to hear. And so he talks about some of the laws that need to be made. Talks about how to restore our our system in order to do that. You've got to understand our system. Talks about some of the the various cases and laws uh, that that are going on. Uh, right now, and, and of, of course, religious liberty, parental rights, education. I mean, this is going to be really good. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to take today and tomorrow to get through the full program, so stay with us. Uh, you know, if, after today, make sure you tune in again tomorrow, and then after tomorrow's program airs, you'll be able to get both of them on our website at wallbuilderslive.com. So let's jump right in. Here's Mike Ferris at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. I appreciate the invitation. I um, got to spend some time in Israel with David and Tim. Uh, just as COVID was, was uh, starting, General Lewis, he, uh, we were his guests. We appreciate it. And uh, I see a number of friends here today and got to visit with a few of you. Unfortunately, I, I have to run and catch a plane right after this, so I won't be able to stay. But I just want to say I, I appreciate uh, opportunity to be here again. This is my third or fourth time I've been to this event and always enjoy it. And 
I appreciate all that you do. Uh, when I was with HSLDA, and I, this is still true with Alliance Defending Freedom, the, the litigation side of things plays a, play, plays a role. It's important. But I view us as kind of like the Air Force. Uh, we come in and we bomb stuff. And you don't win the battle ultimately until you take the ground. And the ground, for most of the issues that I care about and that we all care about, is in the state legislature. That's where we win the war ultimately. Lawyers can help, we, and we've got a role, and, we, and we've got to be there. But you guys are on the, the final uh, beaches of Normandy. You are there doing the thing that needs to be done in the, in the crucial place. And so, in fact, we define governments by the nature of how the laws are made. Republics are defined properly as a, as a country that makes laws via elected legislators. That's what a republic means. A democracy is where the people themselves make law. And, in, and at the state level, when people are voting on ballot initiatives, that's democracy. So it's, it's a little bit of democracy, principally a republic at the state level. At the federal level, it's exclusively a republic. And so, um, you know, we have oligarchies and so on. And, and when bureaucrats make the law, it's called tyranny. Um, because Article 1, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution says all legislative authority is vested in the Congress of the United States. And it's not Congress's right to give that up because it's the right of the people to vote the rascals out that's at stake. And if we don't like the laws that they're being made, we're supposed to have the right to vote the rascals out. And so both at the federal level and at the state level for different because of the language of state constitutions and federal constitutions, all laws should be made by the elected representatives of the people. That's the nature of a republic. So, and of course that means that not only should not the bureaucrats make law, the courts shouldn't be making law, the UN shouldn't be making law, and, you know, of all things, Americans should make the law for America. We do not need the United Nations to make law for us in any respect. So, anyhow, a little extra bonus. I wasn't planning on doing that, but there, I got going. As of October 1st, I transitioned away from being the president of ADF to being the counselor to the president. When I was hired six years ago, they gave me the, uh, the task of two things. One is figure out where ADF should be for the long haul. And I did that, and we now have our, uh, our chief program office where the litigation team is led, where the Blackstone Fellowship that we train law students is headquartered, and our, our communications is all headquartered. Operations is still in Arizona, but we bought Prison Fellowship's campus in Lansdowne, Virginia, which is 35 miles from, from Washington, D.C. And so that part of the, my, my task was completed there. And, but I was also told to find and train my successor. And Kristen Wagner is my successor. She's just absolutely terrific. I figured out in about a year that she was the right person. And it was my moral responsibility and a fiduciary responsibility to make that happen. So I get to go out, and I'm, I'm going to be part-time. I'm full-time still to the end of the year, but I'm going to be part-time thereafter. And I'll be working on a variety of things, parental rights in particular. Um, some matters internationally as well, but I'm going to be working uh, also uh, uh, with Convention of States that I helped found, uh, and so I'll be working on that, and also uh, helping National Religious Broadcasters. I've been on their first vice chairman of their board for a while, but I'm, I'm going to move over and help them with some legal things. But uh, 
but anyhow, so, uh, but if you need any help from anything, just holler. I'll, I'll find a way to, to get you some help. Um, I do just want to say a couple things about ADF before we talk about parental rights, uh, which is our principal focus this morning. The um, ADF uh, is a good-sized organization. In fact, we're the biggest legal organization in the world from the conservative perspective. We have a staff of 400 um, uh, our budget this last year, uh, the actually the income side of the budget, not the spending side, I'm glad to say, exceeded $100 million for the first time. When I took over as CEO, it was a $50 million organization with 200 staff, and we doubled it in the correct order. We doubled the money before we doubled the people. And, and so um, we, uh, uh, and I, I've, I've told our staff repeatedly God has not blessed us with abundant and greater resources because he thinks we're cool. God's people are hurting, and we need to help them. Our, for a long time, we were getting about 3,000 requests for legal help a year. And uh, that jumped up about two and a half years ago to 5,000 requests a year. Last year, it was 10,000 requests for help. And which, you know, the, our, our growth, though it's been about 20% a year for the last couple, three years, isn't growing as fast as the need. The need is outpacing the, the growth. But, but God's people are hurting. We need to help them. And we need to make sure that they are, know that there is somebody there that will come and defend them. So they'll stand up for uh, what they need to stand up for. And, and so uh, I just really want to encourage you that. And one of the people, one of the people, the groups of people, I should say, that we're called to help is state legislators. We have a legislative team. Uh, our, the, the head of the whole legislative team is a sitting state senator from Arizona, J.D. Mesnard. And J.D. was, before he was term limited out, was the Speaker of the House of Arizona. But his job, like all of you all, have jobs as well. His job is working for us to run our legislative program. And, and so, uh, and then um, Matt Sharp, who many of you know, uh, is our, the director of our state legislative program. And so we have a team of about seven lawyers and we have other staff uh, in the st state on our legislative team to help all of you all. We are not a grassroots lobbying organization. We aren't calling in people to, you know, bend people's ears one way or the other. We're here to do for conservatives and for Christians what the ACLU does for the left. Um, and so um, we help you with legislative analysis. We help you with legislative drafting. We drafted the law for Mississippi that became the Dobbs case. Uh, I'll talk about the Dobbs case in just a minute. Uh, um, but we will help you. So if you need help on legislative analysis, if you need help on legislative drafting, call on us. We've got a good-sized team, and we work on five areas, and only five areas. So if you need help on you know, Second Amendment issues, I'm right there with you. I do believe in gun control, I need to say, if you define it correctly. Steady aim, squeeze the trigger, hit your target. You know, you know that, that kind of, you know, so, but, but, you know, I, I've served on a committee for the NRA for a while, and I'm, you know, I'm all in, but that's my, me in my personal capacity. ADF does five things and only five things. Right to life, religious freedom, parental rights, freedom of speech, marriage and family issues, principally 
the, that's where the cluster of transgender, LGBT stuff, you know, uh, comes in, and, and, and I'll um, give you a little detail about that in just a second. In the pro-life side, as I said, we, we uh, drafted for Mississippi the 15-week bill that we thought would, was the right mechanism to challenge Roe versus Wade, to get it up there, and God blessed it. You know, we were hoping and praying it would work. It worked. We uh, were co-counsel with Mississippi Attorney General's office. They asked us not to put our names on the brief, but we helped them write those briefs. Uh, we put Aaron Holly, Senator Josh Holly's wife, who works for us, uh, full time on, on, on we, we loaned her to the state of Mississippi uh, during the period that, that we, they were writing all their Supreme Court materials, and we, we did all kinds of things. We were partners with them, and we, we greatly appreciate Scott Stewart, who argued the case in the Supreme Court. It was a perfect oral argument. He just did a fabulous job. And the courage of Lynn Fitch, the Attorney General of Mississippi, who made the decision to not just ask for the partial victory that they, you know, that basically where Chief Justice Roberts wanted to go, you know, the partial victory. But she decided to swing the, for the fences and go for the whole thing. And she needs credit for the rest of her life for that. So that was a great thing that she did. So um, we work in parental rights, and I'm going to talk mostly about that. Uh, we do religious freedom, and, and uh, in your packets, you've got uh, material on our legislative program that was some model bills that we've worked on, and those are available to all of you all. Uh, um, but uh, particularly on the State Religious Freedom Restorations Act, I'm the guy that named the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I was on the drafting, I was the co chair of the drafting committee of RIFRA and helped push that through Congress. And so if I can help you in any way, I, I have a deep knowledge and background. I mean, it sounds fancier than it is I named it. Somebody said, what do we call this thing? And they had just passed, Congress had just passed something called the Civil Rights Restoration Act a couple years ago. So I oh, called it the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Nobody else had another idea, so that's how I got it. You know, so, so, but I, I'm, I named it, I guess. So, um, but, but we have other religious freedom legislation in your packet that you can look at. Um, marriage and family, our fairness to girls in sports, Bill, uh, we're litigating basically all the all the cases that are uh, challenging transgender supports, taking sports away from girls, um, and so those are areas that we work on. We're working on all the pro a lot of pronoun cases because pronouns worldview, and you can't force speech, you can't force worldview on people. That that's what's going on there, and uh, we do. Uh, a lot of free speech cases on college campuses. So anyhow, if you need help in any of these areas, we're here to help. And so and I'd also ask you in particular to pray for uh, Kristen Wagner, who's my successor again. And she argued the Masterpiece Cake Shop case in the Supreme Court of the United States. And she's going to argue on December 5th, a 303 creative case. It's, it's set up and it, it looks like they're not going to squirrel out on us and decided on a side issue, because there aren't any, on whether or not gay rights laws can be used to force Christian professionals to use their talents to advance same-sex marriage. And it's going to settle it once and for all. It's a web designer. We represent Lori Smith. We took it to them. We didn't wait for them to come sue us. We found the right kind of case. Where they, and, and by suing them, we just sued the state. There's no victim on the other side to come in and tell their sob story and everything. So we took it to them. And that case is now right before the Supreme Court and we're going to get an answer one way or the other. Everybody that is a Supreme Court 
practitioner, whether they're right or left, pretty much believes we've got a really good shot at winning this. But I would still, nonetheless, ask you to pray for that. Pray for Kristen. Pray for the justices that the right thing would be done. And pray for the, Lori Smith as well, who had the courage to stand up and say, yeah, I'm willing to put my name on the line and let you go forward and fight this for the, for the five or six years that it took to get there. Let's talk about parental rights. And I want to give you just a little bit of historical grounding because I think this is the issue that we need to be paying special attention to for a lot of reasons, political reasons, moral reasons, a lot of reasons. And we're going to develop some of those reasons. Quick break, everybody. Stay with us. You're listening to Mike Ferris speak at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. You're listening to Wall Builders. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The Reverend James Caldwell was a famous minister during the American War for Independence. His sermons taught liberty and God's opposition to tyranny. The British hated him and tried to kill him. So for his own protection, he would actually take loaded pistols with him into the pulpit and lay them beside his Bible as he preached. In the 1780 Battle of Springfield, the Americans ran out of wadding for their guns, which was like having no ammunition. Pastor Caldwell ran inside a nearby church and returned with an armload of Watts hymnals, the pages of which would provide the much-needed wadding. He took this great Bible-based hymnal, raised it in the air, and shouted to the troops, Now put Watts into them, boys! This pastor's ingenuity saved the day for the Americans. For more information on Pastor James Caldwell and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. We're going to jump right back into Mike Ferris's presentation at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. I want to start with John Locke. John Locke, as you all know, um, was a philosopher that heavily influenced the founding of this country. Um, he is far more Christian than most people give him credit for. If you read him carefully, you'll find biblical references sprinkled throughout his things. Now, I, I don't think he was a member of a local Baptist church. Uh, or anything like that, but but he was not a secular atheist philosopher as we would think of it today. And and uh, here's um, what he said about parental rights, and you'll see the Christian influence immediately. I'm quoting: Adam was created a perfect man; his body and mind in full possession of their strength and reason, and so was capable 
from the first instance of his being to provide for his own support and preservation and govern his action according to the dictates of law of reason which God had implanted in him. From him, the world is peopled with his descendants, who were all born infants, weak and helpless, without knowledge or understanding, but to supply the defects of this imperfect state till the improvement of growth and age hath removed them, Adam and Eve, and after them all parents were by the law of nature under an obligation to preserve, nourish, and educate the children they had begotten, not as their own workmanship, but as the workmanship of their own maker, the Almighty, to whom they were accountable for them. The next paragraph says, this is what puts the authority into the parents' hands to govern the minority of their children. God hath made it their business to employ this care of their offspring and hath placed in them suitable inclinations of tenderness and concern to temper this power, to apply it as his wisdom designed it to the children's good as long as they should need to be under it. The, you've heard the phrase, the best interest of the child. You hear the, the, uh, that hinted at in this this uh, quote from Locke where he says, for the good of the children, the best interest of the child, the good of the children. In the, as a legal concept, the best interest of the child doesn't answer the question of what's good for the child. It answers the question of who decides what's best for the child. And it is improper, and please be very careful if you see this phrase ever in legislation, best interest of the child, that is never properly invoked in our legal system until parents have been disqualified from their moral authority by being proven to be abusive or they, you know, they're guilty of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. Now, in the context of divorce where the family is broken for a different reason, the court temporarily gets to decide what's best for the child as allocating things between the two parents. But that's it, that's a temporary thing in that particular case. Otherwise, the government doesn't get to decide what's best for children. Parents get to decide what's best for children. And we need to be very zealous in protecting the best interest of the child standard as a correctly assigned of a decision-making authority to the parents. Why? Because God gave them the, the, the authority and the responsibility. With the responsibility to care for children comes the authority to care for children. And in fact, one of the th things that I think that we need to do to preserve this country is to make sure the parents' authority is protected so that they will exercise their responsibility. Parents that feel disempowered, parents that feel like they don't have, have any real say, will neglect their duties. And we need to make sure that parents are empowered so they will carry out their God-given duties to do what's right for their kids. And that's true not only of the state, to some degree that's true of the church. If the church develops the attitude that you just drop your kids off here, we'll take care of them, wrong. Parents and churches need to be partners and with parents being the senior partners in that arrangement so that the, the children are being helped uh, by the church, but led and directed by the parents. And so uh, these, are, these are important principles that we need and that we see in, in Locke's writing. With the, uh, with, the, with the creation, with the authority from God, comes a responsibility from God as well. Those things go together. American parental rights law developed out of those Lockean themes, out of those biblical themes. And the fundamental question that underlies every parent's rights case is, as I've already said in the best interest case, who decides? Who decides 
where children will be educated? That's a parent's rights question. Um, who decides what values in which the children will be educated? Who decides how often their kids will go to church? Don't think that that's an abstract question that will never come up. In the 1980s, I defended a case in Island County, Washington. Washington State had a law temporarily. It subsequently got repealed, but uh, the, the way things are going in that state right now, it, it'll come back if they just think about it. Um, but they effectively enacted the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child at a state level. And they, they allowed the government to make best interest decisions without first finding that parents were guilty of abuse or neglect. And under that law, um, a 13-year-old boy went to his school counselor and said that his parents took him to church too much. He found out, the counselor found out, that these abusive parents took him to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night prayer meeting. Oh, can you imagine? And it sounds like my childhood. And, uh, and he forgot King's Sons, which was a, you know, kind of like a wanna yeah, that, that would have gone along with that. Um, but um, uh, the school counselor was aghast. And under Washington state law, you can remove a child for an emergency, a life-threatening emergency, without a first having a hearing. No notice, you can just remove them, but you have to give the parents a hearing within three days if you do that. And it was a Friday, and Sunday was coming, and he was gonna to have to go to church twice. So they did an emergency removal of this child on a Friday, and they had the hearing on Tuesday, and I was the lawyer there defending this, and the judge who frankly appeared to have had a liquid lunch, um, um, we had facts all morning, lunchtime, came back and got his decision. He said, you know, I think once a week is enough for a turning 13-year-old boy. And if you want to keep custody of your kids, you got to agree to, to take him to church only once a week. Um, it looked to me that that would have been an improvement in church attendance for the judge and his family. But it's not his job. It's not his job. It's not the government's job to make that decision. And so, um, but the parent, I wanted to appeal. The parents, I was doing it all for free, and the parents were afraid. And I could not guarantee them they'd keep custody of their child during the appellate period. And so they, they succumbed to that, that decision. So, but don't think it's an imagination. We decide how often and where your kids go to church. Parents need to decide that question. Um, who makes medical decisions for kids? Uh, I... Uh, you know, there are lots of um, transgender issues are coming up on, uh, you know, by the boatload nowadays. Uh, I heard a, a, an expert on this topic, a gay psychiatrist, uh, who said, uh, has treated transgender issues for years, for many, many years. So he's not on the same side of the, the issues fundamentally, but he thinks that what's going on with transgender kids is is horrific. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. Be sure and tune in tomorrow, and we will pick up right where we left off with Mike Ferris speaking at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. Be sure, once again, to check out the websites at wallbowlers.com and wallbowlerslive.com. Make your end-of-year donation there. Pick up some good Christmas presents for your friends and family. Thanks so much for listening to Wall Bowlers. We stand undivided.